This moment right now might just be the biggest and fastest experiment in the history of education. And nobody probably feels this more than parents who've been thrown into the role of teacher. Sometimes as they're also juggling work and everything else that comes with adulthood. My name is Jason Gorman, and today on An Imperfect Map, I talk with Wendy Willard, who created a resource for her kids and shared it with the world just as we were all heading into our bunkers. It caught my eye because she did it so quickly, but also because it's so thoughtfully designed. What I see is a really smart and nuanced approach to solving the challenge of being a sudden homeschool teacher. Her no school checklist is linked from the notes in this podcast, so check it out. Wendy says that she and her husband have been privileged to share their lives with a lot of different people over the past 20 years. They have two daughters by birth and have fostered more than 20 other kids. They've lived across the U.S. and in Central America because they love the adventure of following God wherever he leads by day, Wendy is a product and marketing manager for a nonprofit, as well as a creative consultant to mission-driven organizations. She also enjoys encouraging and coaching people about how to live their strengths. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's great to be here. I am really excited to talk with you about the No School Checklist that you created at the very beginning of quarantine. And to give it some context, I wonder if you could talk a little about your life before things changed. <laughs> well, before things changed, I worked at home and at, by 8 a.m. every morning, my house was empty except for me and the dog. Uh, so we have two foster kids currently staying with us and I have a high school senior and my other daughter who is a, high, a college junior was off in college and my husband would leave to go to work. So the whole house would be empty by 8am and I would then have pretty much eight hours of concentrated work time before anyone uh. returned home. And so... I'm assuming things have changed a little bit since then. Yes. Uh, now there's six of us in the house because oh. uh, the foster kids are here and both of our biological kids are here. College, you know, shut down. Uh, my husband is here and the dog's still here. <laughs> That's a full house. It is. <laughs> so at the beginning of this, you know, I think... People realized this was coming at different times and in different waves. But for you, when it was becoming clear that this was going to be a crisis of some magnitude, what, what were your initial thoughts? What were your initial reactions? What did you think was going to happen? Well, we've obviously all had a lot of time to process afterwards, right? To look back and see, think, what were we thinking? And, and uh, my husband uh, was one of those people that kind of saw the writing on the walls. And uh, he was predicting that things would take a, a great turn in February. And he was actually ordering some extra supplies on Amazon and putting them under our bed and getting prepared. Meanwhile, I was uh, thinking, no way, nothing's going to, you know, this, <laughs> that can't happen. Everything hmm. that he was predicting, I was saying, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, and we do tend to live on 
either side of the coin. You know, we're a bit of yin and yang and can balance each other well, but I definitely didn't see this happening. So on that Friday, when we got word that there would be no school on Monday, I, uh, I thought, okay, something, what am I going to do? Right. I, I have to, I still have to work on Monday. And at that point, my husband was still going to going to work on Monday. And so I'm thinking I'm going to be here with a seventh grader and an eighth grader and a 12th grader. And now the 12th grader can be self-sufficient, but the seventh and eighth graders are not a typical seventh and eighth graders um, and they can't be self-sufficient. And so that is why I sat down and I said, okay, I've got to come up with something that can help keep them occupied because a lot of my day is either on the phone or on video calls or um, otherwise needing to be, you know, working, focused on working. And you're talking about your no school checklist, which is something that I have to say when you posted it to LinkedIn, which is where I saw it. It was, I think, our first real day of quarantine in our house. And I remember seeing it and thinking, you know, there are 35 resources here broken into these really clear buckets in an extremely um, thoughtful, bright and appealing format. And I just learned, (laughs) figured out that this was happening and here, Wendy has um, created this amazing resource for her own family and shared it with the world. How, how are you able to work it up so fast? And maybe actually, could you just describe kind of what it is, what it looks like, um, how it's arranged? Yeah, so I just created a, a Google Sheet uh, with a bunch of checkboxes and different sections uh, are categories of tasks, right? So there are, um, there's a reading category and there are five activities in that category that in my brain all contributed to some sort of reading task or reading process. So either reading yourself or being read hmm. to or practicing spelling or grammar or learning a new language, um, these are types of things that I thought would kind of foster that reading part of their brain. And then there was a section, there is a section for physical activity, right? So um, I probably should back up and say that we've been involved in foster care for uh, about 12 years. And over the course of that time, we've gone to a lot of trainings for trauma competent care and how to be a, a trauma informed parent And one of the things that that does is teaches you the science about trauma and what happens in our bodies and what happens in our brains and how to heal from that, how to begin to heal from that and how to overcome some of that. And so I knew that, you know, physical activity is super important. Um, And so there's a section on physical activity and there's a section on creation because I also knew that creativity is hugely impactful when it comes to overcoming trauma. And so then then there are the more stereotypical school type um, activities, you know, practice math or um, Mm. learn about history. Uh, And then there's an entertainment section because, I mean, let's just face it, that's what what most of us would be doing anyway. So I needed to give a section for that. And then um, there's a section 
uh, on exploring. So being, going on an adventure. Um, you can't leave your house right now, but you can still go on an adventure online, explore the deep sea or explore a national park. And then the last section is, is on helping someone because the other thing that we know, you know, that science has, has shown is that when we help other people, it actually helps us too. So, um, that's kind of the overarching, uh, formula or format for this document. And I, I also knew that I needed to give these kids some choice uh, for them. So much of their life has been turned upside down even before COVID-19. And so they've lost a lot of choice in their life. And so I wanted to provide structure, but while also giving a lot of choice. So inside of each of those sections, they can choose which activities to participate in. Maybe today they want to volunteer or help someone uh, but tomorrow they want to take care of the dog. Um, you know, they don't have to do the same thing every day. And as you started using this checklist with your children and, and having, having children, uh, I know how different children can be. I'm curious, how did it go? What happened next? What were, for each of them, what was their experience like? What was your experience like? Yeah, so the 12-year-old was, uh, was definitely more interested than her sister. <laughs> she, uh, she, you know, they both sat down and thought, well, this looks like something that my teacher might give me. And so that means mm -hmm. it's terrible, right? It's, it's horrible <laughs> because it looks like something I might do at school. But as we started to click through some of the different uh, links, they realized, oh, this isn't so bad, you know, oh, exploring the mm. deep blue sea, that's not a school, that's not, you know, a, an assignment that I might have to do for school, even though certainly some teachers would, would have that, them do that with them. But, uh, you know, then realizing, oh, one of the activities is to come up with a dance routine with my sister. And that's something I love <laughs> to do, right? Uh, and, um, so they, they started to realize, oh, this isn't school and this is more fun than I thought. And over the course of that first week, I think the checklist was kind of the anti-boredom. So mm -hmm. anytime they were tempted to say, I'm bored, what do I do? Oh, have you, have you done anything on your checklist today? Uh, you know, what have you done? And so then they would sit down and they knew they had a ton of options, a ton of things to do. Uh, so that's that first week, especially, I think it was really helpful for them to learn some time management skills and to learn how to, how to structure their day and how to have variety and how to love, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, entertain themselves. And has that continued in the same way? Do you feel like it has um, the same function now that it did in the first few weeks or has anything changed? <clears throat> well, we definitely found that when week two hit and, and I should say we're in California. So the, the shelter in place order for us came before other parts of the country. And so at this point, as we are recording this, I'm in week six of that. Uh, shelter in place. But by week two, it 
at that point, my husband is also at home with us. Our daughter had um, come home from college and our, our foster kids, they were cut off from their biological family at that point and all, everything was being canceled and, and it started to sink in a bit more. Oh, yikes, mm-hmm. this is gonna be longer than any of us thought. And, and at that point, there was definitely a rejection of all things, uh, well, all things. Uh, it, it was, hey, I don't like this. I don't, you know, it wasn't necessarily, I don't like doing these activities. It was, I don't like any of this. And, and I was feeling the same. I think we were all feeling exactly uh, the same. Just, it, it came out a little different in each of us, but we were all super frustrated. And it was in that week that I, uh, I'm, I'm realizing just the power of creativity. And, and I knew that that was going to be something that was going to help us turn the corner. But myself, I couldn't figure out how to, I, I wasn't feeling creative, right? I, I was thinking, I know there are answers here, but I don't know how to get to them. And so one night, um, we, I pulled out a bunch of canvases and paints and I said, okay, we're just going to sit here and we're going to paint and we're going to color and we're not going to try to solve any problems and we're not going to try to do a checklist or anything else. And I'm not going to do work. We're just going to sit here and paint, right? We're just going to do something totally different. Um, and uh, it was amazing <laughs> over the course of a couple of hours. I think that creative experience helped us to express things that maybe we hadn't known how to express otherwise. It, it allowed us to make mistakes in a pretty safe way, safe environment. Um, and so that second week, I spent a lot of time trying to help us just be creative however we could. And it, it we kind of threw away all the other rules that week and we focused on being creative and that helped us turn a corner. We saw a big difference by the start of the third week. We could actually jump back into more of a routine, jump back into some of these activities on the checklist without the stress um, uh, overwhelming us. Does that make sense? It does. And you know, you, you mentioned a minute ago um, about the effects of trauma and how you've had to learn about the effects of trauma and how that's something you have training in and it's something that you built into this checklist. And I think what really, what's really striking me in what you're talking about when you're, you're getting together and painting is that the reality is that all, all of you, all of us really, are in this state of trauma. I think that's what we're feeling. Yeah. And for you to to kind of have that moment, it seems like you're able to continue to to understand the situation and respond to it in this way that really understands kind of psychologically the effects of staying inside, that feeling of rejection of all things um, as a form of trauma and that in that you have found ways to to be with your family um, in ways that are really, that sounds quite helpful for you in terms of addressing it directly. Yeah, and, and we can sit 
back now and and reflect and say, oh, okay, we've come through it. But I mean, Monday of that second week, I mm. thought I thought there's no way we're going to get through this. I mean, I I'm you know in some ways ashamed to admit some of what I was thinking, but you know, as a as a foster parent, I was sitting here thinking, I don't know how I can continue to be a foster parent through this, right? This is just too hard. Um, it, it doesn't feel sustainable for two weeks, let alone six or eight weeks or however long, you know, this is going to happen. And I can look back now and, and see that I was really just need, I mean, really neck deep in the midst of that traumatic experience of, of coming to the realization of how our lives had changed and have changed. Uh, and so I'm, I think I had to work through that as much as anybody in my house, I had to mm. come, come through that. And that creative, those, those creative experiences that week, again, were as much for me as anyone else. Uh, I, I needed to overcome all of that to be able to help support my family, you know, to, to help lead my family and, and help us all get over the hump of yikes, what's happening. Do you feel like you're on the other side of that hump or are there multiple, <laughs> multiple humps along the way? What, how, how are things going now? Yeah, you know, we lived abroad for a few years. And when we did that, we went through some experiences that taught us about culture shock. And, mm. um, and how sometimes you can think of culture shock as going around a loop. And when you go around the loop, you feel all of the feels, you have all the different emotions. <laughs> and um, the the closer you are to that experience when it's just happened, in other words, you're going around that loop like multiple times a day, right? You're feeling all the feels multiple times a day. But as the experience gets further in the rearview mirror, the loop gets wider, it, it gets bigger such that maybe you're going through all the feels once a week and then maybe eventually yeah. once a month and eventually, you know, much longer. There's longer between some of those more difficult feelings. And, and I can see that same experience taking place now where in the beginning we were within, you know, we're cycling through all of those feelings like of mm -hmm. what's going on here, you know, denial, um, anger, sadness, all of that. And now, yes, there's much more acceptance. Uh, I think we're all experiencing this in our own ways, in our own houses. And so we are, we've hit a new normal, um, or I like to say a new abnormal, because I don't think any of this is normal. Um, but our, our foster kids went back to virtual school today, uh, yesterday. Hmm. It was their first day after five weeks off of doing school. And they realized, you know, we talked about it at dinner last night. It wasn't as hard as they thought it was going to be. There was a lot of anxiety hmm. built into that. And this is not to, you know, give our, give ourselves props by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think that the last five weeks, I think the checklist, I think the creativity experiences we went through, I think all of the last five weeks helped prepare them for 
this week of going to virtual school that they've never done before. You know, what is that going to look like? Uh, and so yesterday went actually much better than I was anticipating. I'm so glad to hear that. And it sounds like with what you're describing around this loop, it strikes me that you're describing something that, of course, is very much um, particular to your family. You know, everybody's context is different. But at the same time, I think what you're describing sounds sounds somewhat universal uh, in some ways also. And, you know, as everybody knows, there are millions of parents and teachers and schools and education-focused organizations who have their own, their own unique context, their own challenges related to the rise of this virus. But I'm, I'm wondering of, of the things that you've learned in your experience building this resource, getting your kids in front of it, having the reaction they had, going over this sort of initial hump of just being done, of rejecting it, coming back around to it, finding a different meaning in it, um, finding other ways to, to come together as a family to move your children's education forward. Do you think there's something in what you've learned in all that that, that might be transferable, universal, usable by others in this time? Like, is there something that you think is a, is a real takeaway that you'd want to, you'd want to really make sure other people um, got from, learned from your experience? Well, I just uh, kind of synthesized some of my thoughts on that in a writing um, this past weekend, but yeah, this whole notion of just the healing power of creativity. Um, I, I think for me, creating this checklist was creative problem solving, right? In, in the midst of all of this, I needed to come up with something that would solve my initial problem. And so the very act of creating this was a creative act for me. And that was an outlet and that was healing that helped me process all of this. And as I've watched our family over the course of the last six weeks, I've realized that everybody, every single one of us has needed some sort of creative outlet. And whether it's drawing or painting, or we each take turns making dinner um, throughout the week. And the other night, my 20-year-old made uh, a Mexican skillet that was amazing, by the way. Uh, and it required her to be really creative because of the fact that we didn't have all the ingredients. And she commented multiple times, it feels so good to be creative right now. It feels so healthy to do this. And I really needed to do this. And so I think it looks different for each person, but I think the underlying principle is the same that we need to step out of whatever yuck is happening and find a way to be creative in order to, to start the process of healing and then to continue the process of healing after we've gotten over that initial hump. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And it also is exactly the kind of thing that I think any person can understand what, what might feel good to create um, what, what might feel good to be involved with or 
you know, if they're in an organization um, who's responsible for educating other people, they might, uh, I could see ways where they could say, how do we interject additional creativity into what we're doing? Um, and I, uh, it strikes me that what you're saying, it's, it's really about the just the process of doing it. Mm -hmm. It's about the act of making something about expression, about, um, it's about, it's about the kind of, you know, expression of self and, and, and the problem solving that can come out of, um, just a creative act that feels very, um, very widely applicable to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I have really appreciated this conversation. This is a, a great place uh, to stop. And I want to just thank you so much. You mentioned that you wrote something this past weekend. Is that something that's available? Yes. Um, that I might be able to uh, include maybe in the podcast notes? Yes. Well, it's on my blog, which is still not there yet.com. So, and, and the, the checklist great. is up there as well as just my thoughts this weekend over this idea of creativity being healing, which is nothing new, right? I didn't come up with that idea, but I, I feel like that's just been a huge lesson learned over the last six weeks. Thank you so much. We'll be sure to link to the blog, um, link to these specific resources. And um, I want to really thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for this conversation on An Imperfect Map. You know, best of luck in everything that comes next. And please, let's definitely stay in touch as things continue to unfold. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. That's it. That's our show. My name is Jason Gorman. Uh, I am the host of An Imperfect Map. I'm also the founder and managing partner at Jackrabbit Learning Experience. Uh, if you have any feedback for me or an idea for a podcast, feel free to get in touch at imperfectmap at jackrabbitlx.com. Until next time.